Hello, everyone. Welcome to the space where we make room for real life. We're a podcast by young people for young people. We discuss various issues affecting all of us from a Christian perspective, but each of our hosts, me, Ali, Brittany, thank you for listening to this episode of The Space. We hope you found it encouraging and thought-provoking, and we hope that you feel like you belong, because you do. Please subscribe or follow us and share with your friends if you like what you heard. Don't forget the discussion questions on our website, found in the description. Check under our Episodes tab. A final benediction to you attributed to St. Francis. May God bless you with discomfort and easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. Amen. May God bless you, and we hope you have a great week. And Sean, come from very different backgrounds and take similarly different approaches to a number of issues. We seek to be a podcast that models how to love one another well, even in the midst of disagreement. And we want to provide a family atmosphere where we're honest and open with one another and with you. We hope that you'll feel like a part of the family as you listen too. If you like what you hear, please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. You can also visit us on our website for discussion questions based on each episode. Listen with your friends or family and then have your own discussion. Link is in the description. We hope that each episode helps you love God and others more deeply and richly. Thank you for being part of the Space Family. This episode is part two of our episode. So if you haven't heard the first part, go listen to that first and then start back with this one. Thanks for joining us. And I ask Ali, what, what, I'm just intrigued by it. Yeah. Um, what, why do you say, why do you not believe that? Why do you not believe that it exists or why don't you believe that it exists yeah yeah yeah. Or, okay can you just this break down good. that process so the, our me? next yeah. yeah so this sorry, is our next question no you're good i'm sorry i interrupted you our next question was how is your understanding of jesus and his work in the gospel changed over time so i think this fits really well so ali yeah. go ahead awesome yeah, yeah yeah that is directly related to the way that my understanding of the gospel has changed yeah i think that that's a super good question, Sean, and I'm going to do my best to hit at it in a way that would make my professors proud. But I think that the the gospel in the scriptures, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the way that it is shared in, in Acts, the, the gospel happened in a particular place, in a particular time, to a particular group of people. So like when Jesus shows up, he he shows up and he is speaking specifically to first century Jews that live in like what we now call like the Palestine area of, of the world, the Middle East of the world. And Jesus comes and he speaks in a specific language to a specific group of people um, about really, really specific things. Like he's he's not talking to them about like ideas of like, truth and love and et cetera, et cetera. He's talking to them about like the number of fish that they catch and how to serve their brother or sister next to them 
what does it mean for them to interact with money in, in their context paying taxes and what does it mean for them to go to their temple and and the the radicalness of that is that Jesus shows up as a particular kind of person and is speaking to a, a an insular group of people he's speaking to the Jews and then extends the invitation to know God and be in intimate relationship with God to the Gentiles. So like outside of the normal bounds of um, who he would talk to, who it would be appropriate for him to talk to. And so I think that our desire to move to a, like a pure understanding of the gospel, like Brittany, I think you said something like you said something about the God, like you have the gospel and then you have all these other things that are sort of like tacked onto it mm-hmm. because of the culture. And I, I think that there is never a point where we don't tack things on yeah, fair. the gospel because we will always be like, I, I will always be English will always be my first language. I will always have been born in Seattle I will have always like I am evangelical, um, like I'm all these all these things that inform my understanding and my reading of what the gospel means. And I have a I don't remember which one of my professors says this. I think it was my Old Testament professor, but she talked about like reading the scriptures is always an act of intercultural dialogue, and she even called it like an interfaith dialogue because when we read even when we read Jesus, like Christianity, what didn't exist yet. Like we are Christians in the 21st century reading Jesus who was Jewish, like Christ, like our faith didn't exist yet in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Did I make any sense? Did I? Yeah, read? you totally. did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, did. Yeah, I'm happy you elaborated though. Cause you lost me there for a little bit. So what I'm <laughs> gathering is, that, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm gathering, what you're trying to say is like, we try to tackle like our, our background, our experiences, how we've learned it, where we've learned it, all of those things can tend to tack on to the gospel and make it look more than it than it was in context of that time period. And we yeah. can't completely understand that even because we weren't there. We yeah. were those people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 And in like the same way that like if one of us were to write a book like let's say each of us were to write a book about this experience of us like doing this together mm-hmm. um and then somebody like a hundred years from now were to read it and were to read our four different accounts of what was happening um like that person is going to bring whatever world they live in into their reading of what is happening to us right now and we're going to have four different interpretations and four different like ideas of, of what this story looks like. Yeah. And that person a hundred years from now isn't going to be able to a understand exactly what our circumstances are right now in order to be able to like read our, our books about what is happening and neither are they going to be able to not exist in the space that they are in, in order to understand what is happening now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And something to add on to that. First, I think that, well, first, so this is what Paul talks about. I think it's Paul, but he talks about how Jesus saved our, saved us from our sins according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, because when he says that, it's referring back to the rich history of the Old Testament. So the, the Old Testament is really important to understanding Christianity. Yeah. I don't know many Christians that discount it, but it's easy to overlook and only look at the New Testament, yes. even for people who do take the Bible seriously. Mm-hmm. But we see that Jesus is referenced from the earliest chapters of Genesis. So Amen. we see that Jesus' story is being painted from the very beginning and it's woven throughout the scripture. And I find this really beautiful as I've studied it. And this has led to my, <clears throat> how, I've, how I've seen the gospel change or my view of the gospel change is that it's not just this thing where, okay, so you are a sinner and it means you're separated from God <clears throat> and you are an enemy of God. And therefore you need somebody to basically block God's wrath for you and make a or and or make a bridge for you to get across from like this chasm that separates you from God. Yeah. That's how like if you look at lots of gospel tracts that I looked at as a kid, I found, I had one here at my house, mm-hmm. but I lost it. That was just like wow, this is really probably how I used to think about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I just accept Jesus, then He will block God's wrath for me, and I will be able to cross the bridge basically to get to God, mm-hmm. and then one day I'll go to heaven. So usually this is what um, N.T. Wright talks about a lot. That's presented as the good news. Mm-hmm. But that's not news at all. That's really advice. It's saying, okay, this is where you're at. And if I were you, if you don't want to get chicken fried, then I would. <laughs> I, there's a skit that was like about how not to evangelize that I saw when I was like in eighth grade. And it was really funny. Mm-hmm. He's like, you better get sanctified or get chicken fried. You better oh get right God. or get left. <laughs> And it was like, this is how you should not evangelize. Anyway. Thanks for that, <laughs> Yes. And yeah, but where was I? I lost Pick my train of thought. Chicken fries? Yeah. So yeah, if I don't want to get, if you don't want to like just, if you don't want to be separated from God forever and go to hell, then you should accept Jesus because he will protect you essentially. It's like a divine insurance plan. That's not the way that the Bible presents Jesus. The Bible mm-hmm. presents Jesus in a specific, like you said, in a specific context. So it's really important. And so I think there's degrees to this. The gospel is so simple that a child can understand it. Yeah. And indeed, it is often more simple for children to understand and to accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And yet it is so rich and deep that you can explore it for the rest of your life, even if you do accept Jesus as a child. Yeah. But the gospel says that we have we were created to love god and be loved by god and work for good in his world in the garden of eden and so you can look at there's four different relationships and there's that are broken relationship with within ourselves so that's why we experience shame and also arrogance and pride things like that then our relationship with one another is broken this is why we have interpersonal conflict on a micro level but also things like crime and a war or political differences because we, or, you know, xenophobia, racism, things like that, because our relationships with other humans are broken. Mm. Then we have our broken relationship with the created world. We see this right now with the coronavirus. Mm. Germs were not supposed to, we have good germs in our gut, right? 
do we not? And are there are some good viruses out there? I would assume. I don't know that I'm not a scientist. Bacteria, bacteria. Yes, no, there are bacteria in our gut, and then viruses as well that mm -hmm. exist. But those things were not designed to kill us. I mean, we can see that we can have good relationships with bacteria in our gut, and then, but that's been broken as well, and we experience suffering, and we destroy the world as well. And then finally, our relationship with God was broken. So God, from the beginning, wants to has wanted to restore all those things, and He has mm. said, "I will do this through." And He says in Genesis three, "I will the seed of the woman." He says this to the serpent, "Will will crush your head, and you will strike his heel." Essentially, yeah. and then we see later in Genesis when He says to Abraham, "Through you, I will bless the all the nations of the world," and then we see that traced all the way through the story of the old testament and and genesis 50 this is a beautiful thing that i think sums up much of genesis and much of the actually the entire bible and joseph says to his brothers who tried who enslaved him who sold him into slavery he said what you intended for evil god intended for good and for the salvation of many mm. and that's, yeah, that's jesus that is jesus because jesus came into the world like a conquering king in a way that we didn't expect it at all and conquered sin and death so that we can experience life. Mm. Is that not good news? Mm. That is Absolutely. good news. That is telling what, what happened to, uh, to the world when Jesus decided to enter it. Mm. He, he conquered sin and death. We don't have to be enslaved to it anymore. And he's going to come back again and make everything whole. Mm. Like if that, I mean, that's like the most hopeful message that I can think of. And that truly is good news. Yeah. And I think when we recapture that and when I really truly understand that, not just for the world, but for my life, like mm. all the stuff that I experience, all the, all the things that I've done and the things that have happened to me, the self doubt that I experienced, the thoughts of, man, I'm not worth it. I'm not lovable. I'm not a person who is worth much of anything at all. I have no future. I, those are thoughts that I think about myself. Jesus came to save me from those things and defeat them and to tell me who I really am, a child of God, somebody who's truly loved deeply for, because he created me in the image of God and he can help restore those things in my life and in the lives of those around me, both on a micro level and on a grand scale. And he's chosen the church to do that. That's a beautiful amazing thing to me and it comes all the way back from the old testament and, it, and we can interact with it just like ali said and it comes into our cultural context now and it can transform where we are at and that's what i love about the gospel is that it's not this old the bible is not this old book that has no relevance to us now the story still is powerful today yeah and can transform how we interact with god and interact with other people in our world so sorry, to, I just kind of went off there, but that's like yeah. um, she's a she's not everybody's cup of tea. But do you guys know who Nadia Bowles Weber is? You guys are you familiar with her at all? Through it, yeah. Okay, she's an author. She's in the Lutheran Church, and when I listened to a podcast where she was interviewed by this comedian which was, it was really interesting, but he asked her, like, why, like, why are you still a Christian? Like, despite everything, like, all of the 
craziness of the world and and like the ways the church has hurt you and the people that you love and and all this stuff and and she says that it's just the truest story I've ever heard Mm -hmm. and that it's just like yeah yeah one of our questions is like what do you find beautiful about the gospel and like that is the most beautiful thing to me is just like even like despite everything like it's still the truest story that I've ever heard like nothing nothing else has ever explained the world the way that it has for me so yeah Drew that that was a really beautiful and like succinct tie up about that it was nice yes yeah, thanks, Drew. I I loved um your thoughts, and I I I yeah. really appreciate the the call back to look at recreation and to look at that God is creating all things new, and He's called mm-hmm. us into that. And that's a beautiful aspect of the gospel, and it's it's such an important part of the gospel. And like so much within Christianity, is there's like a two sided coin, like justification, sanctification. They can't exist on their own; they come together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like redemption and recreation have to go together because. See, I personally see the movement away from the idea of justification and redemption to recreation and kind of saying, this is the gospel. And that really struggle. I really struggle with that because coming, one of the big reasons why I came to Jesus was because I was just so broken and lost and useless. And Jesus was the only person who said, look what I've done for you. And this is how you are to live. Mm. And that for me was the story of justification and redemption that I read throughout the book of Romans that this is who God is. And I loved your point, Dali, about the gospel, because I think you're totally right. And we all add, we always add our culture mm. to the gospel, but things that never change are who God is and who I am. Yeah. And I think the Bible um, really clearly shows those two things, who God is and who I am. And that as much as we want to try to adapt it to our culture, I believe God is going to call us back and go, no, you've got it wrong. And the beauty of it all is when we get to see Jesus, he'll tell us, and how wrong we got it all in the first place but yeah i just i just wanted to add in my perspective because i i i feel like i've seen this kind of move away from the just nature of god and romans 3 21 through 25 i think talks about you know how jesus was the propitiation for our sins so that god could be just and the justifier Mm. and i love that aspect of i love that aspect because when i see my life i just I see how wrong I've, I get it every single time and how broken I am, but the beauty of what Jesus did for me so that I could, so that I could be made perfect. And how when, you know, when I'm in the depths of sin that I remember that God doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. Mm. And I, I love that. Like, I, I feel like that's like, the, that is the pillar of my faith of who I am. And Jesus is not, not i i obviously i totally agree that i'm loved by god i totally agree with that and i love that that um even when we say that like e gosh i'm so worthless that we can say pause no god thinks i'm valuable mm-hmm. i'm so valuable that jesus died for me um but when i feel like i'm in that place there's nothing more freeing than for me to say it's not about me but about jesus and um, I'm going on a bit of a ramble. I don't want to, I'm, get, I'm getting up in my head. A bit. Oh, go for it. But, um, <laughs> no, we all went on little rambles, so. No, yeah, but I, you guys made a bit more sense than I did. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I, fe- I see that in our society and I feel like it's kind of this pushback against, and this is my observation, it's kind of a pushback against off, of making offense of actually telling people 
no man you're you're evil um because that's what jesus i think that's what jesus did i'm pretty like i i i see that in that was the thing that called me to him was realizing that i can't do it on my own and that there's nothing in my power to ever make me right with god and i i think there's a, a massive need to to come back and look at the idea of the wrath of god because i i see that in so many people and I, I get, I see it as a necessary point that this idea of Jesus appeasing the wrath of God, because you know, you know, Jesus came to change God's mind about us, and that's what it meant for Jesus to appease God's wrath. And I see that as such a damaging kind of idea when it comes to the idea of what propitiation means. Like Jesus and God the Father weren't on two different parts about this; they were yeah. both in the same place about you know, I, I totally believe that Romans talks about how God's wrath is coming for all evil. Like it, that's Romans one and how, you know, the wages of sin is death. There is a hard teaching there that sin is going to be paid with wrath. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't get past that. And um, you're right that our culture takes that out of its, its confinement and context. And it's done that in really bad ways. I haven't experienced that, but I know that, a lot of my American friends have dealt with that and kind of seen the issue with that. But I see a huge need to not just throw God's wrath out and, oh, just God is love. And that's true. But I also believe God is just. And, you know, I always um, I always laugh at the, the kind of the, uh, Paul's response to those who ask the question of why does God work like this? And Paul, I think it's in Romans. I can't remember where in Romans, but he says, kind of like, who are you to question the hands of the potter? Mm. And um, I, I know it's a kind of a knockoff answer, but sometimes I I find that really valuable when I'm at getting angry at God and being like, why do you work this way? It's like, well, it's not my world. I didn't create it. Um, but anyway, that were just some of my thoughts that I think I really appreciate the value uh, and the move of let's re-look at recreation and what it looks like to actually see our new world, Jesus's new world being created. But how we, we I, I really strongly believe that we shouldn't be throwing out redemption and justification at the same time as something that is like this idea of the the evil of the punitive kind of side of um, God in a sense. But yeah, I'm going to stop talking because I'm... Sean, that's super hey, interesting. Oh, Drew, did you have something? To say? I was just going to ask if Brittany had any thoughts on all this. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm ruminating, huh? Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm actually trying to get my thoughts together on it. I so I think you know our experiences. We all are presented. Our culture has does impact how we have heard or what we might hear the gospel to be. I don't want that to be interpreted as that the gospel is different. It, it's not. It's the same. And it, we should take it in context of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I think some of what you're even talking about, Sean, in regard to redemption and God's mm-hmm. wrath and like that is so deeply entrenched in the in the gospel and in the word of God. And so that I think is where our focus has to be whenever we are talking about the gospel and whatever we are sharing. I think as soon as we step out of that and step into our culture, that's when things get, 
I like, I just, I always say that it got compounded. It wasn't that the gospel wasn't there. It was that it was compounded based off of where I was and what I was hearing. Um, yeah, it's really like, good. The, but the gospel is, it can't be held back, which is such a cool thing. Like such a beautiful thing of the gospel is the power of it. And wherever you are, whoever, wherever you grew up, whoever you grew up around, like it's still true. Truest thing, like you said, Allie, and like it's, it is transformative. It is renewing and like, it's, it's just so powerful. And so full of love and grace and but it is like it's in that context and you can't you have to be cautious as believers even to like take it out of that I think it's kind of like what we've all been getting at in a different way like Drew talking about like the Old Testament you can't leave that out of it like the story starts in the beginning and it goes all the way through and so but I do think like it, it's there and it has its own bones. Like we don't need to create bones for it. It's, mm. it's there. You just need to point to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's insightful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. Gosh. Guys, <laughs> so everyone's so smart. It's so cool. It is fun. Um, it's fun. Yeah. I think that that is like, Brittany, what you were saying, that feels really true for a lot of reasons. But I think that like, for me, that was always the thing like, even though I felt like the Jesus I had been given felt so shallow, I felt like I was still drawn back to the story of the gospel, like over and over and over again. And I remember I, (laughs) when I was in college, somebody that I was dating, who was not a believer, I was in this like really intense period of deconstruction and was like, and I, and I remember like, he asked me, he was like, well, why don't you just like, stop believing like why don't you just like not go to church or like why don't you just stop and I was like no you don't understand I literally can't like I I I could I freaking would but I can't (laughs) like like the gospel just has its hold on me in a way like nothing else ever has yeah and I feel like Sean what stuff that you're saying is really interesting because like I really struggle with I really struggle with the idea of God as being like wrathful or vengeful and something that has been really helpful for me in that. And something that I'm, I've had to grow in a lot and have had to like ask the Lord to be present in a lot. I'm going to, I read this, I read this chapter out of a book by this author named Miroslav Wolf and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he says something along the lines of like, we we are called to be people of um like nonviolence and forgiveness and like we are called to not enact judgment on other people like because we serve a god who is rightfully judgeful like if we like if we judge like we are unrighteously judgeful like so good. We, we enact judgment on others when we when we do not have the power or the knowledge or the right in a lot of ways to do that. And like true, the only person in the universe that is able to do that is, is God. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really good. And I was like, Ooh, 
I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like about that, but that, but it, that has stuck with me because I feel like it's like, like reoriented something in me Mm -hmm. that always felt really resistant to the idea of God as being judgmental. And a lot of that I realized is that like, I, I'm fearful of God doing that because I interpret God to be like humans and to be like unnecessarily Mm. judgmental or like, like unkind or like vengeful, I think is the word that, that really like sticks with me and to remember that like, yeah. Or like petty or, or jealous in the like human sense of the word, like, Mm -hmm. like wanting to like cause others pain because like, like we have felt pain um and realizing that that's like a projection that i have onto god and not necessarily like the nature or the character of god Mm, yeah um yeah yeah that that like scripture from paul about the potter's like hands or like the potter's works is like it's really hard for me that's like a thing for me about about the gospel and and i think that not not always that but the way that that characteristic of god has been like used by other people is really difficult for me like if like sort of the the misappropriation of like if god Mm -hmm. is judgmental and like i am a reflection of god then like i am allowed to be judgmental like that sort Mm -hmm. of like like it's a logical sequencing yeah 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 yeah, yeah, like that flawed logical so dangerous yeah. yeah. Now, th- this is the big thing when I was reading about John Owen of how those guys thought that England was the hand of judgment from God. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're so right. It's scary you, thinking. The three Americans, dude, like we, that is, <laughs> that is all up in our business. We believe that about ourselves a lot. Yeah. I think that there's a bridge between, I think, and you did actually, Ali, that's an excellent quote. I hadn't heard that before. And I, I want to think about that some more for myself. Because I saw, Sean, I, I came from more of a background where you are now. So just some of these words are pretty Christianese. Mm-hmm. So like Lots of justification, them. what does that mean? Right. It, you could probably define it better because I am a little dusty on it. But basically it would mean something like, that because of Jesus' death on the cross, we now have a legal standing before God that we are no longer tied to our sin and mm-hmm. the punishment is paid. Am I correct in that? Yeah, that's that right. ish. Yeah. And then yeah. stuff like sanctification. So that has to, that comes from the word like sanctus, which is which means holy. Mm-hmm. Or, and so this is not me explaining this to you guys, it's to the audience if they're unfamiliar. And that means that you're basically becoming the process of your whole life, becoming more like God, mm-hmm. looking more like him. And so I just think that there are, there are different ideas and different faith traditions on was Jesus the one who was punished or yeah. was sin punished in Jesus and it like, and basically the sin and death of the world pull poured like all of its strength and firepower onto Jesus. And then in the grave, Jesus condemned sin and broke its power and then he raised again. So that's kind of, for me, that's been a big thing for me because I thought that God was, I've thought in my past that God's been upset with me or mad at me and that unless I repented well enough and repentance is turning away from sin and to God, 
essentially in a nutshell. But I thought that my repentance had meant like that I had to mentally beat myself up and drag myself over glass yeah. in a figurative sense mm-hmm. in order to like get God to like see that I was sorry enough for my sin, that I wouldn't do it again, mm-hmm. that he would like accept me. And I had to come to, I like, that's just not how God operates. Mm-mm. And for mm-hmm. me, when I see that, for me, that the wrathful side has been difficult because for me, it was like, well, until I do something right, God's wrath remains upon me. Mm. And I don't think that that's how God works because otherwise, why, why would it say that he so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life for God did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so for Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so for me, that has to become, become true in my own heart that God does not condemn me now. Mm. He came to save me. And is that like, I think there's room, there's definitely room for justice. I literally work for an organization called global justice. And that's one of my passions is like doing justice in the world, protecting the vulnerable, helping the marginalized, giving voice to those whose voice is quashed. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm all about. And so I'm like, there's a sense that God is rightfully, when he is just, there's a righteousness to that. And it's good that he is, is out to, to crush evil because evil plagues all of us as human beings. We both are afflicted by evil. We have no choice but to do evil. Even our best intentions are, are, are come from heart motivations and attitudes that have some level of selfishness and pride to them. That in the sense that like, if I do this, then I will be good enough for myself or for others or for God or whoever, even our best intentions are tinged with evil and with tinged with poison essentially. So we both are afflicted by evil and we perpetuate it. And Mm -hmm. so therefore we are like, yeah, we're fundamentally broken. And this is why Jesus had to come and save us because we couldn't, we can't fix the human condition and we can't fix our world no matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how many marches we do or how many political, uh, how many policies we change or who we vote into office or whatever. We're never going to be able to fix human beings in a fundamental way. There's always going to be another generation of selfish people that's born after us. So mm-hmm. Jesus is the only one who can fundamentally extract the poison. Like if you've seen Stranger Things season mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. remember when the, like they just pour the heat on the monster or on, mm-hmm. what's his name? Anyway, the kid who's on the bed and he's like strapped down and the monster like comes out of his mouth, the, the shadow monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've, that's kind of the picture that I get with what Jesus did to humanity is that he, he poured all his wrath on evil and saves humanity from it. And there's some people who choose not to accept that and who choose to reject that. And I don't know, <laughs> like it's, they experience, they will, I think the Orthodox Christian view is that they will experience that they will yeah. experience separation from God. And that's torture. Yeah. Or like in the great divorce, C.S. Lewis says they just basically become smaller and smaller and more separated from other people mm-hmm. in misery. Yeah. Because that's what I, they've chosen. If you need to put on my seminarian hat for a moment. Yes, please do. And remind us that there are many, many understandings of, yes. um, oh. of hell and um, also of divine judgment mm-hmm. and 
justification and like all these big mm-hmm. sanctification, all these big fancy words within the Christian tradition, within the Western Christian tradition, which is where we all fall into. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you are interested in learning more about that, you should go to seminary because it's a lot of fun. Do you guys want to hear the Wolf quote that I was quoting earlier? Yes, please. Okay. So it's from the introduction to his text called Exclusion and Embrace. And this is what it says. It says, my thesis is that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance. My thesis will be unpopular with man in the West, but imagine speaking to people as I have, whose cities and villages have first been plundered, then burned and leveled to the ground, whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit. Your point to them, why should we retaliate? Why not? Or why should we not retaliate? Excuse me. Why not, I say, the only means of prohibiting violence by us is to insist that violence is only legitimate when it comes from God. Violence thrives today, secretly nourished by the belief that God refuses to take the sword. It takes the quiet of a suburb from the birth, for the birth of the thesis that human violence, nonviolence is a result of God. Hold on. This text is very tiny. It takes the quiet of a suburb for the birth of the thesis that human nonviolence is a result of a God who refuses to judge. In a scorched land soaked in the blood of the innocent, the idea will invariably die, like other pleasant captivities of the liberal mind, if God were not angry at injustice and deception and not mm-hmm. make final end of violence, then God would not be worthy of our worship. That's good. Again, that's from Exclusion and Embrace. It's deep. It really messed me up. Everyone should read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've got that book on my shelf ready to read. Really? It's so good. He survived, I think. Wasn't it it something to do? Was it do it? Communism? He survived, I think, the the genocide in um, Bosnia, Herzegovina, I think is what it was. But... In the 90s. Everybody check my facts on that. I'm not sure. But anyways. Cool. Well, I think let's add. Yeah. I do want to leave it with like, we've used a lot of big words tonight. Mm-hmm. We've used a lot of Christianese and that was a heavy quote. Mm. And go to seminary is a great, yeah. great way to learn things. But I just don't want any person listening to this to think that that's what you need to do to understand the Bible. Totally. Because that is not at all what the gospel is. It's so simple. It's all there. And I just, I just want to like, I know that we all think that that are on here, but I just, I think the big words in the Christianese can get in the way of that. And the Mm -hmm. gospel is really simple. Um, Like I think so the gospels all present Christ as a different, like they have Christ as King. They have a different perspective. And in John it's written to unbelievers and it's really cool because like, a lot of people can quote John three sixteen, and all it says is like, you put your faith in Christ salvation. And like, that is the simple breakdown of, of what the gospel is. There's a lot of other pieces to that that make it richer and fuller. And like, you always continue to grow and learn and it gets deeper and like my more mind blowing, but I just like anyone who's listening to this, like it's not something that you have to have all of this knowledge to understand either. Well, that's yeah. good for it. Yeah. 
it really is a simple and beautiful message that that you are created to live with God. We live in a broken world. You are a broken person who has had terrible things happen to you and you've certainly hurt yourself and other people. And yet Jesus loves you and wants to restore you and justify you and (laughs) sanctify you. (laughs) And he will come back again well, he, and he died on the cross and on the third day rose again mm-hmm. and defeated sin and death. And he will come again to make all things right. Yeah. Good. That, that's the story of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we are part of that. So we're going to end this for tonight. But we have some more questions to talk about that I really want to get more personal with for each of us for next week. And I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be awesome. And we hope that you'll join us. So how about Sean praise, praise us out and we'll, we'll be finished. Praise us out. Yes, uh, Jesus, thank you for this evening or this morning, wherever you are. Thank you for this team of guys and amazing women. Thank you for Drew and getting us um, getting us on the road here. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for being with all of us. Thank you for t- this time to talk and to chat about you. I pray that you'll be with us and you'll, yeah, continue to show us your love and the beauty of your gospel throughout <laughs> the rest of our time. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody, to The Space, Making Room for Real Life. We are glad that you're with us and we hope you join us next time. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you about what you want to talk about. I hope you have a great day and stay safe. Stay inside. (laughs) Bye, everybody.